Hey everyone, you're listening to the MLEPC podcast. Thank you for joining us. The podcast features every previous Sunday's sermon and plenty of other cool content like interviews and mini-series. Please remember to share our content and subscribe to our channel so you can stay up to date with everything that we create. You can find out more about what's happening at the church by visiting our website at mlepc.org or checking us out on our social media. Once again, we thank you for tuning in to the MLEPC podcast, and we hope to see you at an event soon. We'll start this morning with the Word of God. This is a reading from Ezekiel 34, 11 through 16. For this is what the Sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on the day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines, and in all the settlements in the land. I will tend them in a good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land, and there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. And our New Testament reading today, uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 21, verses 15 through 19. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Loving God, we thank you for today. We thank you for um, the baptism this morning of Vivian and your reminder uh, that you will never leave us or forsake us. The reminder, Lord Jesus, that you love us with a boundless love. And Lord, that you uh, give us third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances and chance after chance um, to respond to your incredible love and grace in our lives. We pray that your word would touch our hearts today and uh, aliven within us in our minds and in our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Dear friends in Christ, this is my last sermon here at MLEPC. At least uh, while I'm on the payroll. I will miss you all. Uh, I love you very much, very dearly. Um, for a while now, I've had the opportunity to lead uh, in this congregation, the sheep of this congregation, um, as an under-shepherd of the shepherd who is Christ Jesus. Um, part of my calling here, or what they've asked me to do, uh, was to guide you all, to challenge you all, to train you all up in searching for the lost and bringing back the strays. Also, to um, inspire and to invigorate a passionate worship of every variety in this place so that we might glorify God together. In the ways that it worked, I give all glory to God. In the ways that it has failed, I ask for your forgiveness, not for the failures themselves, because those things just will happen because we're human, but for any times that I might have hurt someone along the way. And I pray that uh, you know that if uh, anybody ever hurt me along the way, that you're forgiven too. Jesus says that, not me. Um, it's more important for Jesus to say that first. Um, this is a great segue into uh, today's sermon topic. Last week, uh, Pastor Cinda talked about the M in this MLEPC acronym, okay, Meet Jesus. Pastor Carolyn before that kind of introduced the whole thing. Today I will speak about the L. This one's easy. I'm glad it was my assignment. Um, love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. Meet Jesus. Love your neighbor. So why in the world would I choose this weird passage about sheep and fish uh, for this this purpose? Well, I'm glad that you asked rhetorically in your mind right now. Um, I do have three points today. The first is love of neighbor starts with our love of Jesus. Always. That's what Christian love comes out of. That's what uh, it, it, the fountain of God's love comes from Jesus and then comes through us. Secondly, loving our neighbor means loving when it is hard, especially when our neighbor hurts us. That also is a marker of Christian love. And love of neighbor means caring for those in our church body and for those outside of it. All of that is loving our neighbor. Point number one, making it simple today. An hour later, you'll wonder. I'm just kidding. In today's passage from John, Jesus is making an appearance in his resurrected body. Uh, this is post-crucifixion, okay? Jesus is walking around. He's alive again. Uh, and he's wandering the beach and then preparing some fish on a fire for breakfast, as Jesus would do. The first to identify Jesus truly is Peter. And Peter is so rambunctious, so excited to see Jesus, that he barely dresses himself, jumps out of the fishing boat, and swims to shore to be with him. I like Peter. He acts before he thinks. I can relate to that. But keep in mind, keep in mind, the last time that Jesus saw Peter, Peter was throwing Jesus under the bus. When Jesus was at his lowest point, 
being persecuted, tortured, about to be crucified. Peter denies that he even knows Jesus. Peter was supposed to be Jesus' servant, his disciple, one of the leaders of his group, and his friend. But Peter insulates himself from harm, out of fear, and completely distances himself from the one he at one point acknowledged as the Son of God. Peter has failed to love Jesus. So Peter goes right back to his old fishing job and has few prospects for really being able to love his neighbors. So what's Jesus' response? I'll tell you what my response would be. But what's Jesus' response? Jesus, the perfect example of loving one's neighbor, exhibits a key principle of love itself. He does not say to himself, Peter was supposed to be my friend, but he left me in the dust literally to die. I'm done with him. He does not even directly address the elephant in the room. Jesus sometimes is more subtle than that. The elephant in the room is that Peter was acting even worse than just a mere acquaintance. He was acting to Jesus as an enemy. Peter was no better than Judas. Peter betrayed Jesus. But what does perfect love do in this instance? Perfect love of neighbor gives an opportunity for redemption. And not just one opportunity, but three. An opportunity for every act of betrayal. Perfect love of neighbor is so perfectly loving that there is no question of whether love exists. Perfect love of neighbor loves the neighbor when it's hard, when it hurts, and when the neighbor simply doesn't deserve it. Love does not cease being love because the one doing the love is being hated on. Let me say that again. Love does not cease being love because the one doing the loving is being hated on. Perfect love acts as a mirror to others, asking the simple but profound question, the vulnerable question, do you love me too? Here's how the conversation goes in Greek. Can't have a sermon today without the Greek. Jesus asked Peter, do you love me with the love of God? Agape. <laughs> Peter responds, you know I love you like a brother. Phile. What? You see, the love of God is willing to die by crucifixion for the one who has just waged war on him. But Peter isn't there yet. He's not grown to that point yet, and Jesus knows it. Peter admits it. A second time, Jesus asked Peter if he loves him with the agape love of God. And a second time, all Peter can muster up is, the, is that he sort of loves Jesus like a brother. And finally, Jesus, in a final act of humility, asks Peter what he already knows. Peter, do you love me like a brother? Because of this question, Peter gets incredibly sad. Because the cosmic mirror of our behavior, Jesus, the maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen, is gentle. He's humble of heart. He is willing to accept the kind of love that Peter is ready and able to give at that moment. He's meeting Peter where Peter is. 
For now, this is good enough for Jesus. For now, this is enough to kindle the sparks of moving from a broken relationship to a redeemed relationship. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Do you have one? If you do not, or if you feel like that relationship has been strained or broken, I want to tell you that he loves you. He has died to make things right between you and his father. He is giving you your first opportunity by asking you, do you love me? How will you respond? Because your response to this day in and day out will dictate the degree to which you are able to love your neighbor. It starts by love of Jesus, then spills out to love of neighbor. Our second point, which we pretty much touched on in the first point, is that loving one's neighbor is hard. Jesus and Peter begin their conversation in a whimsical way. Peter, the clown of the bunch, jumps out of the boat half naked and wants to be the first to make contact with Jesus. But quickly, the conversation turns deep, very deep. Jesus promises Peter something, and with it, he gives Peter a commission or a challenge. Peter, if you really love me, you'll tend to all these sheep around you, the sheep that get lost in the thicket, where you have to leave the 99 well-behaved ones for the ser to search after the one lost one that likes to go its own way, the sheep that smell bad and act worse, they're rebellious, they're finicky, they're selfish, overly independent, and they are stubborn. They bite when you get too close to them. They attack each other when they are faced with fear or become insecure. They can be mean-tempered, and they can let their dismay be known in a very loud manner. Well, Peter, if you want to really love me, these are the people that I want you to love too. And it's not always going to look pretty. In fact... When you were younger, you had free reign. You did what you wanted to do. But now I'm commissioning you to love your neighbor in a new way, a deeper way, a better way. Your life is no longer your own. You belong to me, the great shepherd, and you will one day die by crucifixion too, Peter, laying down your life for me. Jesus. And one day you will give up your life in honor of me, Jesus. And in order to care for the other sheep around you, it will be messy. It will be very messy. And that's what I'm asking when I'm asking you if you love me. I love my neighbors. Like literally my neighbors around uh, my little neighborhood. Right now, um, they are a rambunctious crowd. But man, they seem to understand Christian love of neighbor in ways that I have not seen before. They exhibit humor, protection, care, grace, service, kindness, generosity, tenderness, openness, and love in amazing ways. And I've seen that kind of love of neighbor in this place too. The kind of love that hurts when you give it away. 
The kind of love that stands in the gap to protect the vulnerable, stands up for the hurting, eases the burden of the weak, and extends tenderness and grace, especially when it is not deserved. You see, the economy of the kingdom operates consistently (laughs) the same way whether the recipient of that economy deserves it or not. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Justice, justice is firmly and profoundly embedded in the character of God. But love is God's essence. Justice is firmly and profoundly embedded in the character of God, but love is God's essence. 1 John 4, 8, God is love. It does not say love is God. It says God is love. God defines what love even means, and it protrudes from him. It is God's nature to love his neighbor, starting with his closest neighbors himself, (laughs) Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then extending out to the entire world for God so loved the world. Our last point today. Oh, this was a short one. Probably a record. Our last point today is in our text from John, but it's there in a subtle way. Even though it's subtle, it should not be ignored because it is very important. In Hebrew culture, when a rabbi would start a phrase, the rest of that important phrase would automatically come to mind. For example, when Jesus quotes the first line of Psalm 22 from the cross, uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The rest of the entire psalm would come to mind to his followers. And it's a long psalm. Well, here, did you notice the last statement that Jesus makes to Peter? It is two simple words that are just loaded with meaning. The words are, follow me. Follow me. As all come full circle, we flash back to when Jesus is calling the disciples initially and Peter is one of them. But there is a second part of that phrase. Drop your fishing nets behind, leave your old way of life because I have a new way of life for you. I have a commission. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men and women. That is the calling and the commission of Christ. If we want to love our neighbors, we start there in God's process of fishing for them. Jesus says this because at the same time he's giving the calling. He's also redefining who our neighbor is. Your neighbor isn't just the person who lives next door. Your neighbor isn't just the precious brother or sister sitting next to you in worship today or a family member. Your neighbor is God's next miracle. God's next person, who he is about to turn from a goat to a sheep. He did it with me. I was a bad goat. Bad, bad goat. But somebody fished for me. 
Somebody participated in Jesus's plan of fishing for me. Now at the end of time, there will still be goats. They will weep and gnash their teeth, but here's the thing, we don't know who they are. <laughs> don't dare to think we know who they are. For all we know, every single person we encounter can one day be a sheep, a precious one of Christ's redeeming hand. And please, if you listen to anything, if you listen to anything I say, please remember this. Do not prejudge as a goat one whom God has chosen as a sheep. Do not prejudge one as a goat whom God has already chosen as a sheep. God's ways are higher than our ways. Man looks at the outward appearance, the drug addict, the guy who's been married four times, the promiscuous one, the drunkard, the cheat, the homeless one, the one with questionable business ethics, the one with tattoos and bad language, the one who's been struggling about whether her life is even worth living anymore, the outcast, the weakling, the dreg of society, and most of all, the sinner. The sinner. Man looks at all those outward appearances, but God looks at the heart. And he can see a heart that is ripe for his kingdom. All of these people wandering around that you see on a daily basis, they are your neighbors. So if you want to love Jesus, if you want to love one another as a church, then you've got to learn to love them as well. When I was in college, I used to go fishing with my friends in Walnut Creek in Erie. It was a crazy weekend. I barely remember them. Good fishing there, steelhead and brown trout. One day I was fishing near one of my favorite pools and not too far from me was a seven-year-old boy. I didn't catch anything, but this young boy reeled in the biggest and sweetest brown trout that I've ever seen. Later on the shore of the creek, I hear these older boys, not associated with my fishing party, they're demanding that this boy relinquish his catch to them. I was ready to fight these kids and stand up for the boy, but by the time my waders could make it to the shore, they were all gone. I asked the boy what happened. He said, they stole my fish, but it's okay because there are plenty more to be caught. Friends in Christ, as an act of loving one's neighbor, it's important to know that we don't have to swap fish, trade fish, swap sheep, or take another church's members. Now, sometimes that just happens. Sometimes it happens for very good reason. But the Church of America needs to see that there are plenty of fish to be caught. All you have to do is try. Because it is God catching them anyway. I'm convinced that God does not really care about our methods while we do the fishing, though maybe he does somewhat. What he cares about is if we love the fish that we are catching. It's one of the reasons I own an aquarium. I love my aquarium. That hobby reminds me every day of the act of loving uh, that does not end uh, when the fish is in the tank. I feed my fish by hand. 
People think I'm crazy. And they, now they swim up and they come to my hand and they eat the food right out of my hand. The act of loving extends to feeding the fish by hand. Nurturing their environment so that they can thrive. Protecting them from the bigger fish who might want to bite their heads off. And ultimately, releasing the fish into the ocean so that they can do some fishing themselves. It's the quintessential teach a man to fish. Because we're all fish ourselves. And we're learning how to catch one another for Christ. Brothers and sisters, it's been an honor to serve you and to lead you and to worship our God with you. But if anybody asks where I went, just tell them that I've gone fishing. Let's pray. Loving God, we give you thanks and praise. We want to see you high and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory, Lord God. Lord, we pray that you would teach us what it means to love our neighbors as ourselves, to love our neighbors with the kind of love, Lord God, that you have loved us with and them with. Lord, help us to love you first, to love others when it's hard, and to always be on the lookout, Lord God, for the fish that you might have in mind. Help us to reach out to them. Help us to care for them. Help us to serve them, even when they're least expecting, Lord God. And give us the words to tell them when they ask about you. We pray this prayer even as we pray together the prayer that our Lord Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Please stand as we uh, recite what it is that we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Hi, this is Pastor Carolyn. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you'd like to find out more about our church, you can check out our website at mlepc.org. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a podcast. Have a blessed day.